Welcome to Adaptive, the community podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to point a few things out in the description for you. Um, This week, I interview the founder of an organization called the OM Foundation. Uh, The website link to that is down in the description. I would encourage you to go check it out. My guest, Bonner, has also written and published a book called One More Step. I would also encourage you to check that out if after today you would like to learn a little bit more in depth. Enjoy today's episode. This is Adaptive, the community podcast. This week, I have a cool interview talking to the founder of the OM organization, Bonner Rin. Bonner, could you introduce yourself for us a little bit? Sure. Hi. I am the founder and chairman of OM Foundation, which is a global foundation for kids with disabilities, primarily providing services and building centers for physical, occupational, and speech therapy. And uh, prior to that, did a few little uh, crazy world record attempts. And uh, about when 11 years old, I was diagnosed as having cerebral palsy. So that kind of set me off on a crazy journey that uh, lands us here today. Yeah. Um, And I guess one of those kind of crazy world record um, is Kilimanjaro. And we'll talk about it a little further in the interview later. Um, But I found this interesting as someone that enjoys climbing and there's elements of climbing in mountaineering. So um, I definitely found that interesting. For sure. I figured we'd touch on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. and so I'm just going to kind of jump right in as I think um, this will be great if you're ready to go. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Great. So I guess, can you kind of just give us that initial inkling of, okay, I want to start the um, OM Foundation and kind of what was that push to get started yeah absolutely the final push was in the middle of our eight-day trek on kilimanjaro so it was it was basically that if i survive this um and uh that i figured i can do more than what i was currently doing i was only at least at that juncture i felt like i was not doing enough um being on the board of directors of united cerebral palsy of orange county here in orange county california and I just met the people and got to go to see an area where they do try to help some of the disabled kids in Tanzania where Kilimanjaro is. And I just said, there's just so much more for me to do. Um, and I just felt that that was going to be some way to, that I could build uh, a center there to help those people that were supporting us on the mountain and obviously supporting me the most with uh, the challenges that I kind of had going up that uh, mountain. So it was that idea was literally where it was born out of. I was like, if I live off, if I'm living at the time I get to this, then uh, I'm going to do something so much bigger than what I'm doing. 
That's great. What were what was that um, experience in Tanzania? Kind of, what is that experience for those kids over there? If you can speak to that a little bit. Yeah, in Tanzania, we saw at least in the area we were uh, at the base of Kili, uh, just south of it, um, in this area that is pretty big. It's called Arusha. Um, it's one of their bigger cities, and there just wasn't much. And the one place that we were able to find, um, you know, only had older kids and younger adults that they were teaching them a skill set, simple uh, carpentry, shoemaking woodworking, baking, some of the jobs that just to try to get them some type of um, income coming in for their families, but really made us think like, where are all the other kids, the younger kids, um, the kids that maybe, uh, you know, aren't in this area. Um, And we weren't really having success finding something. So it just really set my mind going like, wow, look, it helped me understand coming from a very huge place of privilege um, here, uh, where I grew up versus where we were in Tanzania. And so I just, the, the people were amazing. And I was like, how can I help them? This is the best way I thought I could help them. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Um, and so is there a kind of a branch of the OM foundation still in Tanzania today? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I actually, our first center that we ever built was in Tanzania. So that was kind of our gift. It's at this amazing school called the Faraja Primary School, which is the only school of its kind in the country that's 100% disabled kids. And it has 100 kids and they get a full elementary education. And it's phenomenal. And so we built the center for physical occupational and speech therapy for the kids to get that. And then that set off the wildfire of my foundation is now we're in, you know, six countries and sorry, five countries with six centers. And so it's just kind of something that is keeps growing and growing and get bigger and bigger. So, uh, but Faraja Tanzania was the first uh, project that we did and kind of a special place in my heart. So we're still kind of primarily call that our home. That's awesome. Um, it's one of those places in the world that I would love to go someday. Um, as I think you got to come with us. We would love to have you. So. Another culture. Uh, definitely. Um, experiencing a different culture would be like amazing. And, you know, as you were saying, like you were looking at your kind of privileged life um, back at home and seeing Tanzania. Um, no, that would definitely be a cool experience. Uh, so maybe someday. <laughs> I will keep you posted every time we go. All right. Sounds good. Um, so kind of just jumping into the original time that you went to Tanzania for Kilimanjaro, um, as you brought it up in the first one, I, I'll just kind of jump into it here for our second Um Kind of what was that journey to, okay, I'm going to climb the second tallest mountain in the world. Um, And how did this change your outlook, if it did at all, after completing this? Yeah, that's a great, yeah, that's a great question. The, 
the feat itself was an attempt based on um, there was a boy here in Orange County, California, that was uh, four and a half and suddenly passed and he had um, CP as well. And that was kind of just sent a shattering through my life of like the fragility of life and understanding like what a gift I've been given at, at that time was mid thirties and, you know, per se so much more high functioning than the boy was and was like, wow, I have a great opportunity to do some of these physical endeavors. Cause I I grew up loving sports, playing soccer, played all the way in college. And I was like, sports has been my outlet. So I just kind of primarily focused on sports and they ran a marathon in the boys honor and got a lot of a local attention and raised a lot of money so that it was like, bing, okay, if I do mm-hmm. these big physical feats, this is going to hopefully draw great attention about pushing our own limits and, you know, and not settling back on what we think we potentially are able to do and maybe get out there and try to push that edge a little bit more. So Kilimanjaro was the first world record attempt um, that I went for. And it actually turned out to be like internationally kind of got a lot of press. And so we raised over a quarter million dollars for that climb. And then I became the first person with CP to climb uh, the tallest freestanding mountain in the world unassisted. So um, the amount of people and the companies and everything that got involved, it just was like that light bulb above me that was like, okay, this is how I can raise money to build more and more centers. So Kilimanjaro was that first, I would call gnarly attempt for my abilities, uh, way outside my comfort zone, way outside my physical abilities at the time of deciding to do it. So it had that cachet of like, this is crazy and probably impossible for many that would think of me, but I'm going to try to push it and see if I can do it. For sure. Um, and has that kind of led to others or, or are you like, all right, I've done Kilimanjaro. <laughs> I'm going to step back for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, it took my body almost two years to recover from Kilimanjaro. Just um, so I have um, my CP primarily affects my legs and my lower back. So for me, the damage was a lot of the tendons and the bottoms of my feet uh, the joints, um, a lot of, and then just overall huge amount of fatigue that just trying to, uh, I think you can appreciate, but those that don't have CP, it's like when your muscles are tight all the time, it's really hard to get the fluids and the nutrients into them to repair all of the muscle tears and stuff that we have or the cramping and everything else. So, um, to allow that time, it took almost two years for me to get medical clearance to start exercising again. And then, um, thanks to, uh, yeah. yeah, so I had good buddies in Oakley and they sponsored the Kilimanjaro climb. And so I had lunch with them and they said, well, what are you going to do next? And then I, I grew up watching the Ironman world championship on NBC sports and the Hoyts with Rick and Dick Hoyt and mm-hmm. Rick has CP and he, that his dad would push him in the wheelchair and then put him on the front of the bike. And all that. I grew up watching that and was like wow, I have the same thing as him. And so it was so inspirational for me to watch them out there do Ironman that I was like, I think I want to do Ironman World Championship in Hawaii. So that was my second world record attempt. Were there things that you had to do while climbing Kilimanjaro that in the planning phase, in the training phase, you weren't expecting? Um, 
is that a physical feat? Is that kind of the mental game maybe? Yeah, so the the mental game was is strong up for me, fortunately. The interesting thing with being overly focused on things, I tend to forget or not look at some of the key components that may uh need to be done. And one of them was literally going down the mountain. And it was not something that I honestly even really comprehended. It was focused on solely getting to the summit and how to manage the energy so that there's energy to go back down. Because, and when I was reading on Everest, it was like, wow, most people that die on Everest, 95% of them die on the way down. And it's because everybody focuses too much on getting to this goal. They're willing to sacrifice that's the after and I got lucky, but I almost got caught. That's where I almost got caught was having no energy left to get back down. So luckily it wasn't Everest and it was Kilimanjaro. So it was, um, you know, not uh, as insane or any ability like that to need to get down. So fortunately that I was that mountain and not Everest. Um, I guess, have you since, um, done any other mountains um or was because uh, you did the iron man uh, was there like did you do a set of smaller mountains yeah before yeah you went for the yeah it was one? an 11 month training first uh, mountain we did was here in southern california called mount baldy which is just over ten thousand feet and then our all the way we worked our way all the way up to mount whitney and Whitney, I think, is the tallest in the 48 states. So I think it's like 14.5. Um, okay. So we did that all in one day. So we did Mount Whitney all in one day just to really push to see how it was. But yeah, I was not a mountaineer. I don't claim to be and grew up in a family that wasn't big in the outdoors. So uh, all of that was per se way out of my comfort zone. Eight, uh, Kilimanjaro was eight days total. It was six and a quarter up and one and three quarters down. So they, they get you off that mountain as quickly as possible, especially as bad as I was doing. Okay. They needed to get me down as low as possible. Okay, yeah. Um, that's great. And then I guess moving kind of back to some of the organization stuff, um, there, you go into these schools, if I'm not mistaken, right? And uh, that's kind of where you guys operate? Yeah, it, we have kind of a multitude of or different partnerships. It yeah, so. it's different everywhere. Farage's primarily, it's, it, it's definitely a school. They live there. The children live there. And then we provide the center. And then, um, but then there's other ones that in like Kenya. Kenya's is... Um, in a very kind of rural area south of Nairobi, the capital of Kenya. And it actually focuses on the indigenous people, which are the Maasai. And so they really just had an underserved community for any of this. So a lot of that center actually supports is the Maasai tribes that are all over that plains. Um, and so there is no, there is a part, I think, small education to that, but we didn't build that. That's already been existing for like 40 years they just needed a brand new um, recovery ward and a few other things. So we built it that. So each project kind of unique, but then Uganda, we're building an entire campus. So it's seven buildings and it will serve all of Northern Uganda, North of the Nile river. So it will serve up to, I think 15 million people, uh, at least the population wise. So it's a, it's a massive project that opens next month. Awesome. 
Um, so I guess before you started this center in Kenya, um, did your background lend you to things to start a center like um, all of the services you offer or what did you have to like learn or know before you could kind of jump into that first? yeah I think the way that why ours maybe has done so well is that I treat it like a business in the sense that um, we run the organization it's all volunteer it's 100% volunteer nobody's paid and I fund the whole foundation out of my own pocket. So I cover all the expenses. So I treated it that who would want to do business with us, meaning donors and stuff like that. So I set it up that everybody knows exactly where 100% of their money goes. They can go to any of the centers in the world where, our, where ours are. They can do anything they per se want in terms of feeling like that they are part of it. And so we've kept it very open. We don't do any email campaigns. We don't do any like, uh, we call them rubber chicken dinners. You know, we don't do like galas or anything like that, where it's like $10,000 a table or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And then I just donate all of my mm -hmm. speaking gig money um, to the foundation. It goes directly to the foundation. So the companies feel very comfortable and understanding that the money that they're paying for me to come speak to their companies is going to the foundation as well. So what I utilized was I'm fortunate to be was good in sales and marketing. And that was my career. So I just utilized it and ran it just the same way as I did um, the businesses. As I understand, you seem to keep it very open. Um, could help you guys over. Yeah, I think everything should be. I think in this. Yeah, I got I was born with a gift, and so for you know for twenty something years, you know, my family we just chose not to talk about myself having CP, which created a whole more interesting dynamic growing up, not talking about it. And that had a lot of consequences, unfortunately, you know, but as I started to talk about it and go travel across the world, I started to realize it's a gift that I actually have. And it's up to me to continue to dig into that gift and unwrap that gift and share it with as many people as possible because I believe gifts and those types of things are the best when shared with people that you love or an, a group of people that you care about. And that's what I've been trying to do the last 15 years is keep unwrapping that gift of mine, which is CP and utilizing the big platform that we've built now to just try to encourage people to try to find what their gifts are. And it, 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 if they don't have CP, no worries. It's like, what do you have that maybe you feel is, giving you the opportunity to be passionate about something. And for me, obviously, it's kids with disabilities and seeing that they don't have that. And that's where I can make the biggest impact. So for me, it's like, right, I'm going to utilize my brain that I was given and it's sales and marketing. And I'm going to try to figure out how to create a whole new system and it's all going to be free. And so the entire platform that we're building is going to be free for the world eventually. I think something you just touched on there that, kind of uh, stood out to me was, you know, you see CP as a gift. Um, and well, I haven't done it yet this episode, but I like to use the full. So it's cerebral palsy. Uh, for those that may not know what CP stands for, um, I just realized we've gone this whole episode and not mentioned it. Um, I see 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I was having a conversation with some friends on a couple other episodes and we're using like AFOs and all these different acronyms. And then we're like, if you're not in the adaptive community, the disabled community, you may not know what some of these things are. Um, yeah. So something that stood out to me that you kind of just said there was you see your CP as a gift and I see my CP it, it like empowers me to kind of move forward and not only do what I want to do for a career in special education, but kind of speak out and talk about disability rights and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I can definitely relate when you say like, there's, it's a gift, it's empowering to be disabled. And I think that can come down to a misconception of what disability is sometimes i think people sometimes feel oh we need to like feel sad for them or pity i don't see it like that and a lot of people that i know feel the yep. same way like we're empowered we we live different but we're we're empowered we're we see it as a gift as you have said there so um no that definitely like resonates with me on a whole level there. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that, yeah, absolutely. I feel like all of us have things that we could easily say limit us and we could focus on that or we can try to look at the other side of the coin of the same thing. And on the other side of the coin or the polarity is that there's some amazing beauty in the gifts that we've been given that make us unique and different but also make us the same as everybody else. It's just many other people don't have as obvious of physical things than like you or I, where they watch me the way I walk and they'll be like, oh, you know, there's something different about him. And it's like, I agree. I don't want pity. I'm not asking for pity. Um, I, I honestly hold myself to a very high you know, expectation of that, am I showing up fully to the best of my ability each day? Some days it doesn't always happen, but I give myself grace. And I, I think we're able to give ourselves and what I loved kind of like on some of your other podcasts was that there's this, this comfort of a little bit of jokes here and there, because where other people would not really understand or appreciate some of the daily challenges that are having they try to hide them and so and we can't because they're just physically present it's like you just they look at me the way i walk and it's just there's nothing that i can do or to hide that and so it kind of helps me be comfortable with things and talk about them where i didn't for the first 30 years which was crazy to think about that i'm trying to hide something that's so painfully obvious to the anybody that kind of yeah. watches me no, walk I, uh... I've definitely kind of gone through those phases of like trying to pretend that it's not there and it almost makes it like worse. I found like people are going to assume and people are going to just not understand if you don't talk about it. So like if anyone's listening that is kind of in the same boat there, like talk about it. People are interested I think once they understand a little bit more is kind of what I've come across. I don't know. How have you kind of come across that idea of, oh, I've done all these things, but 
sometimes people only see the physical disability. Yeah, I think that the hard part that I've tried to weave my way through and then my journey is that people are going to focus and talk about what they want to talk about. And it's my opportunity to not keep going down that path if I don't feel like it's a healthy path, but I acknowledge it. And then I try to talk about the flip side of that coin and the beauty that that same thing has brought me so that I don't hold anything against that person because that's their filter and how they see things. And I'm not trying to judge them. And so because I know I hated when I got judged just based on the way I walked, people immediately put me in a category that, you know, was like, whatever it was, but it usually wasn't of an equal level. And so it's like, okay, great, no worries. But I didn't like that when people did that to me. So I try to put myself in their shoes and be like, ah, I just need to show them love and respect and, and listen to what they have to say. But then after that, I can share my quick side of that and then flip it to the other side of the coin and go on to like the beautiful things that my CP has given me and the way that it's empowered me to go attempt all. I would never have been doing Kilimanjaro. I would have never done Iron Man. I would have never done any of that stuff if I didn't have CP. So I have to be thankful for having CP or else my life and you and I wouldn't be sitting here today. I wouldn't be talking to you if I didn't have CP. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and thank you for that. Um, <laughs> to kind of wrap us up here as yeah. see, yeah. Um, to kind of wrap us up here. What's next for you? And then what's next for the OM foundation? Yeah, absolutely. For me personally, it's, um, yeah, no more physical feats. My body is like, okay, two's enough. Um, and the foundation has gotten so big now that we um, have a massive project here in the United States that's actually our, it'll be our virtual global training center. So we're going to train all of our centers globally. And so it's with a YouTube channel and all the doctors here at the Children's Hospital Orange County. Um, so we have therapists, nurses, doctors, specialists, everything at full access, and it's going to train our centers globally, but then we're going to open it up. Phase two is then to all the entire Native American uh, reservations. And so they're the most underserved in our country. So we're going to, we're going to start training all of them. And then we're, third phase is we're going to open it up to the world for free. So any center in the world, whether we're affiliated with them or not, it doesn't matter. They will have access to our YouTube um, trainings so that they can then try to give the best and empower their own communities the best possible way. That's amazing. That's great. Um, well, to kind of wrap us up here, um, is there one thing that you wish people knew or recognized more often about people in the adaptive disabled community that you kind of could just book a book end us with here? Um, yeah, I would say that um, instead of looking and immediately go to pity or sorrow, um, you know, actually take the time to understand what and how they're doing whatever activity you see them trying to do. So if you see them in, you know, adaptive sports or you see them, uh, you know, like 
we I think you, you were talking earlier on a podcast about wheelchair basketball and, and sled hockey and, um, you know, and it's like, and you're a big climber. So it's like, instead of saying like, oh, like that's amazing because they have CP or they have a disability, maybe it's just be like, that's amazing. And you know, what's amazing about it is because they know their body and they know where their limits are, yet they're extending their limits to the next level. And I think that if we just saw everybody as where they're at and then being like appreciating when anybody is trying to push their limit to the next level, whatever that is, and not compare ourselves to each other, I think that's the most beautiful thing. And when we have such great appreciation and I get stoked when like there are people that are just out there pushing their own limit, whatever it is, and it's whether I can do it or there's other kids or things being done out there that there's no chance I could ever do it, even if I train for the rest of my life. And so, but it doesn't matter because I'm not putting my life in their shoes and it just allows me to really appreciate and love like when there's just such an awesome person out there trying to push their own limit to that next level. And I think that whether it's someone that they would deem or put a label on something like, you know, disabled or something, it's like, well, we all have our challenges and things that limit our abilities, our own personal abilities, whether you have a physical something like CP or anything else, but we all have something inside of us that limits us. And whether we're not comfortable with our body or we're not, or we don't think we're smart enough, or we don't think we have this, or we don't think we have that. Every time we think like that and put that label on us, it limits us. And so if we can take that limit, that label off, give us comp ourselves compassion and be like, Hey, guess what? Wherever we are, we're great. We're right where we're supposed to be. And from here going forward, what's the next step that I can take? And it could be a small one, but it's like, what can I do to push my edge a little bit more? And next thing you know, you keep doing that over and over again. Next thing you know, you're miles ahead of where you were. And people think it has to happen at once. And mine was 11 months training for Kilimanjaro. And then it was almost two years training for Ironman. And it was like, I just didn't show up for the Ironman race. And like we talked about, I didn't just show up for Kilimanjaro. It's like, I started with Mount, you know, it's like, I, I was like, it's like, I started with a smaller mountain here and then Mount Whitney and a few others in between. So it's like, just be patient with yourself and put a gradual scale together of what it is to reach a goal. But most people just get frustrated or set a goal that it's almost impossible to achieve as it, as it's just a one step thing. And it's like, put it together, be comfortable with yourself. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. I had to stop comparing myself to anybody else. And then it gave me the patience and strength to do it. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, and with that, uh, thank you for being here today. Uh, this was an amazing conversation. Uh, I really just can't wait for the audience to hear this one. And uh, so thank you for, you know, absolutely time and yeah i i think it's so cool you're doing i'm glad i could support it and uh i'm gonna sign a book and send it to you i mean that's like the, the hilarious thing uh, that i always laugh with my agent and manager because it's like they they want to do the book after the second world record i thought it was a ter most terrible idea i was like this is a dumb idea nobody's gonna buy this book and then the first couple months it became new york times bestseller so i just chuckled because i I limited, I put limits on myself. I labeled myself as not important enough. And the book went out and proved me absolutely, totally wrong. And so um, I just say, those are the best things to do. It makes me laugh that, um, 
it put me in this place that I'm at to be on this show and everything. So I'm just grateful. I love it. You're following your passion and that's what started me down my road. And I'm just glad I could be here to support you. Well, thank you. And with that, this has been Adaptive, the community podcast. Have a great week. Real quick before you go, I just wanted to remind you of a few things. Um, the link for the OM Foundation will be found down below. And I would encourage you to go ahead and check that out as uh, they are a great foundation that seems to be doing really good things around the world, both globally and uh, right here at home in the United States. So again, go check that website out. I've been on it. It's a great website. Um, great place. If you want to learn a little bit more about Bonner, I know that he has a book called One More Step that you could also check out. So thank you to him again for appearing on today's episode. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, could I ask you to just leave a review? It really helps others find the show more easily, and uh, we really want to reach as many people as possible. Um, and with that, have a great week, 